New York Game Day with Mike Tannenbaum, Matthias Kiwanuka, and Anita Marks. Maybe you're heading out to uh, MetLife Stadium right now to take in that Jets game. That would be great. Um, I, I still think, uh, you know, even though the Jets are missing quite a few folks, I still think it could be competitive and fun. We'll see. You know, always fun to uh, to head to uh, a football game. Want to remind you, uh, this portion of the show uh, brought to you by Svedka Vodka. Make sure you bring your own spirit to football season with Svedka Vodka. Find Svedka near you at svedka.com. Enjoy responsibly. 2021 Spirits, Marquee One, San Francisco, California. Vodka distilled from grain, 40% alcohol by volume. And without further ado, Matthias Kiwanuka joins the show. Kiwi, what Good is morning. up? Good morning. Made it back to the city. It was unseasonably warm yesterday, which I love and appreciate. And then I woke up this morning, got smacked in the face with reality <laughs> and how cold it is up here. But it's, uh, it's awesome. It's good to be back up it's here. So, it's just, it blows my mind. You went to Boston College. You lived up here. You lived up here for God knows how long. And like, yeah. You, you can't you, I, you can't take the cold anymore what's up man uh, it's just it's always the first thing on my mind because I, I walk into um into the building and it's just it's just because it, i get out of my car it's 80 degrees you know where i park my car it's 80 degrees and then when i land here god knows what it's gonna be but um nah it's all good it's, it's great to be in a city the city has great energy great enthusiasm it's a christmas spirit you got the santa con going on like there's no shortage of, of <laughs> things to uh, of like and you say that like that's a good thing i know you say it like it's it's a a good good thing because i'm in and out (laughs) i avoid santa whatever what is it santa uh, santa con oh yeah i can't i just (laughs) well i'm not here anymore i'm not i'm not here playing so i don't have to focus and i'm not you know it was it was always frustrating when you were as a player because you're like you know you have an event or something you want to do you just want to get in the city park and get out and there was always you know traffic now it's like you know when i come in i got the whole day i can relax there's no coughlin meeting coming up in an hour i can just you know, walk around and, and do my thing so it's um it's, it's a much different experience uh well again great to have you on the show and and it's been great working with you all season long and still a lot more football to be played that's for sure mm-hmm. uh let's kick it off we've got rich samini who's going to be joining us at 8 30 with the latest on the jets uh, but first things first, I, I mean, let's talk about what's going on with this Jets team. No Corey Davis, no Elijah Moore, no Tevin Coleman. Both tackles are out. Defensively, they're missing seven players that were on their starting defensive roster for regular season game one. So what... <laughs> What, where do you where do you start? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, like, you, so what you, you know, what yeah. what is it? What is especially? And oh, by the way, I buried the lead. You've got your rookie quarterback starting. So mm-hmm. you know, working with what? Trying to make chicken salad out of what? So what? Yeah, exactly what? <laughs> so you know what? How how does this te- how does this team even be competitive today, Kiwi? The the biggest issues for me um, was was that you know Elijah Moore is out. You know, and because I thought, you know, Zach Wilson came out, he answered the bell last week. He was called out. I think on our show it was pointed out that he had historically low starts to games and, and how bad his statistics were, um, you know, in the start of games. We talked about him having to come out and, and, and put the, you know, anxiety or whatever it is aside and play well, and he did that, you know. And um, Elijah Moore is, is a young guy who's obviously, you know, coming into his own and is going to be a big part of this team going forward. And I thought, that the rest of the season, this would have been a great opportunity for the two of them to connect in game 
uh, time, atmosphere, and develop more of a relationship. And so when I read that he was out, that was kind of the biggest disappointment between um, all the other injuries and everything. Because I, I thought I just think you know Zach Wilson is now he's he's back in. He he has to play. Um, well, I don't know. If he, he had to play, so they they put him back in, and and he responded. You know, he responded well. You know, as an individual, and now. Um, you know, he's lost, you know, what is going to end up being, you know, a big part of this team. So there's there's always something to play for. I think um, listening to um, C.J. Mosley and the, the words that, that he said, I think that's that's what it is. You know, it's respect. You know, he's a guy who who has played, um, you know, with, on teams where the expectation was to win. And he's seen the other side of it now, and he's seen the fr- he's voicing his frustration, and I, I think you you rally behind. If and I'm taking him at his word, you know, I'm not in the locker room. I don't know, um, you know, if it's if uh, how authentic it is, you know, whatnot. But I'm taking it at his word. That's what you play for. You you play for the respect. You know, when, when guys are out there across the field or across the ball laughing at you, as an NFL player, I mean, this is what you've done your entire life. Like you blood sweat and tears and sacrifice the holidays and you know two a day well we had two a days i don't know if they have two days anymore but you know like practice long injuries all this stuff like like at the end of the day like you're a man you know and this is your job this is your craft you don't ever want to be laughed at or disrespected so i would say you're 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 playing for that you know obviously you're always playing for your job you're always being evaluated but you're playing for respect to respect among your peers when you go into the offseason regardless of what your team record is everybody watches film and knows how you perform um so there's there's a lot um there's a lot still riding on it and you know, it's it's not over, and it should never be over uh, for a player. Yeah, you know, I, I've heard that often, right? Like uh, from coaches as, as well as agents. You know, agents will say, you know, now is when a lot of times teams that are considering, you know, giving a player a big contract or trading for a player, these it's these games and it's this tape that they watch to see, you know, okay, Jets are out of it. They really, you know, chances are, you know, you know, they're unlikely to win this game. P- player probably wants the season over, but what type of effort are they bringing? And so it's these type of games that a lot of the uh, the ge- the general managers and the coaches look. So um, it's a big so, part of being a professional. Yep. Like the, a big yep. part. You're not always going to be in it. You're not always going to be uh, motivated by you know the the magnitude of the impact that this game is going to have on your season. You have to be self motivated. The season is long. You know, like like your career is short, and you know, and and you know, when you're looking at the year from a whole, like it's a it's it's not a long season like on the calendar, right? But physically on your body and mentally and emotionally and and everything that it takes away from you it's a long season and it's easy to to go in the tank or to or to mail it in you know the guys who get those big contracts the guys who um you know come like week in and week out there's something different about them you know like i would say you know whoever whoever that is and if it's cj good you know like let him set the tone you know as as the as he goes let let everybody go he, if he's the first one in the building then everybody should be there within five minutes of him being there if he's the last one to leave the room then nobody should leave until he leaves the the the, the locker room and, and goes home that's how you get better that's how you turn these things around it's not always just you know the guys the big names and the guys who are you know you know got the big contracts and playing on the field sometimes like, there's a guy in that locker room you know who is motivated you know for other reasons like that's that's what you gotta that's what you gotta get behind 
Um, let's go. go to, I, I, we don't normally go to calls early, but we've got Ira. I would, I would imagine that he's heading out to the Jets Saints game. Ira from Staten Island, are, are you are you at the tailgate? Are you on your way right now? Yeah, we're just kind of wrapping up things at home. Just got done with my workout, and then we're going to head out there. And you know, listen, uh, I, I, there's no way in the world I can make an argument that Sal is going to outcoach Sean Payton. You know. Uh, let, let him prove it to me. But you look at this thing, it, it's the same thing. I, I, I heard you yesterday, Anita. I know how you feel about Hill, and I can't argue the point. Listen, Kamara, you know, he's healthy. They're probably going to run all over the Jets today. But this is where there's a bullseye on Salah. And listen, once again, I want to see Wilson take some more steps, you know, let him build off of last week. But at the end of the day here, the Saints are one-dimensional. I get it. they got a quarterback that can run. I am selling out completely. I, they are not running the ball down my throat. I am stacking the line. If he beats me in the air, so be it. I am not letting the Saints get to run this ball for 40 minutes and 250 yards and just run it down my throat. I can't do it. Be creative on defense. Show something different and go out there and make this a competitive game. And maybe at the end of the day, maybe some miracle, they'll find a way to win this game. Ira, thanks for the phone call. I appreciate it. Kiwi, I want to come back to you. You know, I I am a huge Taysom Hill fan, and I understand he threw four interceptions last week. Uh, I think Ira could be onto something here. If it's it's a heavy dose of Kamara and Taysom Hill, who we know can run it as well as anyone, he rushed for over 100 yards last week. Is that the, the defense you play if you're Robert Sala? Is that what you do? Do you stack the box? Do you just focus on those two players? You, you can you can stack the box, but I mean you got to have the individuals in the box who are going to perform and 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 get the job done. I think um, it, it, it's about you know gap integrity. I, I remember watching uh, earlier in the season um, when um, the Jets played the Colts, and it was just like everybody up front was was on the ground. You know, as as whenever the the ball was flowing to the sidelines, it seemed like you know everybody was getting washed up in the fold. It seemed to have corrected that issue you know people are playing you know you see them you know moving along along with their gaps like you know with their their feet underneath their shoulder pads and and having control of the man in front of them a little bit more than than what they've had so i don't i I think it's you could you could scheme it all you want um but the individual players out there have to make the plays like you can put somebody in position but he still has to make that play and that's what it comes down to He's Matthias Kiwanuka. I'm Anita Marks. We come back. We'll have Kiwi's keys to the game, what the Jets need to do to, I don't know, uh, you know, s- keep it close. Maybe maybe pull out an unexpected win nah, you at know, the end. It's not. At you, the you, end. Don't go into, you don't go into it like that. You know, like they, they can win this game. Like this is, the, the, this is a winnable game for them. Like there's, there's a way for them to win it. And a lot of, a lot of uh, you know, injuries and everything can be overcome if with the right attitude, the right passion, dedication, and, like, and focus and attention to detail. You know, if everybody on the, on the field on defense understands what the defense is asking them to do and gets in position on every single play, on the majority of all of the plays, you can stop them. These, we are, you know, the, the talent gap is not so great that it's unstoppable it's mistakes you know that's what you have to eliminate new york game day with mike tannenbaum matthias kiwanuka and anita marks right now we've got rich sabini who covers the jets for espn he's got his own podcast called flight deck and he's got a column obviously on espn uh with a chock full of great nuggets and information on your jets 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 uh rich good morning uh, thank you so much, as always, for joining us each and every Sunday morning. Please know how much we appreciate it. Um, 
first and foremost, I mean, let's just let's go through the laundry list of players. Are, are there more players that are going to be inactive than active today? I kind of get the feel that that's the case. Well, good morning, Anita. Good morning, Kiwi. Uh, yeah, I mean, the Jets have a, uh, a lengthy injury list. Of course, the news yesterday was that Elijah Moore is going on injured reserve. So he'll be out a minimum of, of uh, three weeks. And, you know, from talking to some sources, I think the Jets are fairly optimistic that he'll be able to come back for the last two games. But that he has a quad injury, and it just got progressively worse as the week went on. And so no Elijah Moore today. So here's what Zach Wilson is facing today. He's without his two top receivers, Moore and Corey Davis, who went on IR earlier in the week. And he's without his top two rushers, Michael Carter, who's been out for a couple of weeks, and also uh, Kevin Colbert out again this week with a concussion. So tough spot for young, the young quarterback today. Yeah, we, we, you called him out last week about his historically low um, starts to games. Looking back on it, how do you think that, that that was changed, and is that something that can be sustained given all the injuries that they have today? Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, I, I did call him out, and uh, you know, it, he was like the worst starting quarterback of the last twenty years, statistically. And, and he goes out and he plays really well in the first half. He he played his best half of football all year. That that's coming from the coaches, and even Zach Wilson told us this week. He goes, "That was the first time all year that I felt like I was really playing football." And he, you know, the Jets were moving up and down the field. They scored touchdowns on their three first three drives, which is something they hadn't done in seven years. And so it was a really solid half. He was delivering the ball quickly. I know that impressed the coaches. You know, he got out of rhythm in the second half. I don't think all of that was his fault. The defense couldn't get off the field. So I think that was the main reason. But so for, for Zach Wilson and the Jets, and really the, the rest of this season is all about seeing improvement out of him. So that's what you're looking for today. It's going to be difficult because of the players we just mentioned who aren't playing, but you know, we'll see what he can do. You know, maybe he can overcome that and, and show some real improvement this week. Is there somebody that you're looking at to, to step up and in light of all these injuries, somebody that we can, you know, key on and watch to have a, a big game or a good showing? Well, they do get Keelan Cole back this week at receiver. He was on the COVID list last week. So you're talking about uh, a receiving core. Uh, you know, Crowder is, is the mainstay, so I think he'll be heavily involved in the game plan. Keelan Cole, Denzel Mims, who has just had, you know, a season for the ages. I don't mean that in a positive way. I mean just, you know, he's had food poisoning. He's had COVID. He's, he's dropped some passes. He really hasn't produced. But he's going to get some run today. But I think the guy to watch out for, you, you saw him a little last week as a kick returner, Braxton Berrios is is a good player. He's an underrated player, and I think you'll see a lot of reps from him today. At least, at least uh, Mims didn't get mono. I guess that's that's a plus, well, Rich. Well, you never say never. The season's not over yet. Okay, <laughs> there you go. Um, I know this is we're, we're we really we are negative Nellies. This I know we are being brutal this morning. Uh, what about the what about the defensive side of the ball? Right, seven of their starting defensive players from week one. Uh, will not be active today, and you know they're facing. You know, not that not that Taysom Hill is you know Aaron Rodgers by any stretch of the imagination, but you know the fact that he does bring a rushing threat, and uh, and also you've got Alvin Kamara who's expected back today. What are you expecting from this Jets defense, Rich? Well, Anita, this is this is a pride check week for the defense. I mean, the uh, the comments from C.J. Mosley last week after the game about being disrespected. 
by the Eagles. That got a lot of play. Uh, it, it was a topic of conversation all week around the Jet facility. I know CJ talked about it with other players. Uh, he, he essentially was calling on his teammates to, to step up and, and try to change things over the last few weeks here. The, the defense is historically bad. It's one of the, be- the worst defenses we've seen in the NFL in the last 20 years, maybe longer. That's as far back as my database goes, but maybe longer. And so he's just calling upon the players to, you know, summon up their pride and, and show some, some toughness and some guts today against, like you said, I think they're going to get run on. You know, Kamara's back. He's got fresh legs. Taysom Hill is a, is a running threat. So, you know, it's like strap it on tight this week, guys, and let's see what you got. Is CJ the guy in the locker room? I know, you know, he came out and he's he's a public figure and he's a you know big money guy and all this and that, so he gets the the coverage. But is he the guy in the locker room that they listen to, or is there somebody else on that defense that has a, a big voice that can um, provide some leadership? No, CJ's the guy. I mean, he he's not a. Uh, I wouldn't say he's a outwardly vocal leader. I think Foley Fadakasi is more of a vocal leader. But C.J. is the heart and soul of the defense. You know, he came from a winning program at Baltimore, played at Alabama. You know, he's won a lot of games in his career. He, he is the leader on defense. Uh, Rich Chimini, before we let you go, uh, let's talk about your column. I, I know you posted something this morning in regard to Makai Becton. Uh, you know, of course, as we know, you know, uh, Zach is going to be without his two starting tackles. What's the latest on Becton? Yeah, I think a lot of Jet fans are wondering, like, what's up with Makai? He got hurt in week one. He was supposed to be back in eight weeks from his knee surgery. We are now at the 12-week mark, and, you know, he's done some very light work on the side. He has not practiced yet. I wrote in the column that the Jets should just shut him down. You know, what's the point of bringing a 370-pound man coming off a knee surgery back in these meaningless games? Just, Just start fresh next year. And they also have the, the question of whether, you know, there's going to be a really highly rated tackle in the draft. You know, Evan Neal from Alabama is probably a top five pick. The Jets will be picking in the top five. And so it brings up some interesting scenarios. So that, that was the point of the column, just exploring the Becton situation. I think it's partly conditioning with, with Makai, and I think it's partly, you know, his comfort level of wanting to come back and play on that knee. So it's, it's a couple of different things, and that's, that's the point of the column. Um, last question for you, and, and, and that's bigger picture. You know, I, I know that um, Salah has really been taking a big hit this season, um, you know, coming in, you know, a lot, of, a lot of people comparing him to Rex Ryan and the defensive, you know, you know uh, success that we saw him have with the 49ers, that expectation that he was going to bring it here. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's also Joe D has been taking some criticism as well. Uh, bigger picture here, moving into next year, and you know, what, what, what's your feeling with this organization and 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 this regime, and what, what, what is it looking like to you, Rich? What are you hearing? Well, I mean, this is going to be arguably, you know, I, I could say it's. This would be a little hyperbole, but if I said it's the most important offseason in franchise history, that would probably be going too far. Because last offseason was very big, too, because they had to hire a coach and they changed quarterbacks. So it doesn't get much bigger than that. But this one's going to be just as big. You got uh, nine draft picks. You have four in the first two rounds. They have been selling this idea of rebuilding for the future. 
with all these with this draft capital that they've been storing up by trading away players like Sam Darnold and Jamal Adams, well, their future is, is going to be now. Their future is this offseason. they got to hit on these draft picks to replenish this roster, which, as everybody knows, is just completely devoid of talent. So they need to hit on these draft picks. It's a monster offseason. Um, they've been selling us, you know, on, on these rebuilding and these young guys. Well, now it's time to put up or shut up. You know, Joe Douglas has to hit on these draft picks and get this organization going because this is going to be their 11th year out of the playoffs. So if they lose today, Anita, they are eliminated. Now, look, we know there's not a lot of suspense there or drama, but it'll be 11 straight years out of the playoffs. That will tie a franchise record. And I think the fans are sick of it, and they want to see some progress. So that's where we're at in terms of the big picture. Wow. Um, Rich Samini joining us here on 98.7 ESPN. Rich, always appreciate your time. Thank you. Enjoy the game. Thanks, Rich. All right. Have a good one, guys. Take care. You got it. Wow. Um, 11 straight years. How about that? Yeah. The only, the, only thing I, the only thing I don't agree with, I think um, having Makai Becton in there would be beneficial if he's healthy and he's and he's good to go just because at that position, you know, you you need reps and you need, um, you know, game film to, to study. So if he's not healthy, no, hold him out. But I think I, I disagree with the one thing he said there, which was that, you know, there's no sense in putting him out there for an offensive lineman. Like, absolutely. If he's healthy, put him out there, let him get some reps. New York Game Day with Mike Tannenbaum, Matthias Kiwanuka, and Anita Marks. And Jordan Renan joins us now. Of course, he's covering the Giants. He's out on the left coast. It's early, man. We appreciate you. Hopefully, you've had a, a few <laughs> sips of coffee. Uh, but obviously, first and foremost, let's dive into this Daniel Jones situation. Not going to be active, and I like to call it active and attractive. But bigger picture here, I mean, you know, I asked you this last week. You know, how serious is this? You know, it's very strange because I've never really quite seen anything like this. Like, Daniel Jones is out there on the field of practice, like, able to do everything, right? I mean, like, there's, there's like, no physical limitations at all. So you're seeing him, like, do all these things, and you're like, man, you know, why can't he get cleared? Like, is there a disc issue? Is it, you know, is it the spine? But now, like, and then if you think it's those things, then he wouldn't be able to do, right? some of the things that he's doing on the field physically, like going through all these hard hundred, you know, being basically fully cleared physical workouts. Uh, uh, it's really an awkward situation, uh, but, you know, they, they keep going and getting it tested. And I think it's more just an abundance of caution at this point because you can't mess when you have neck and, and uh, or, you know, back issues. And I think they're very cognizant of that. Like they don't want it to turn into a bigger deal. And, uh, as Joe Judge said this week, the Giants are still preparing him as if he's going to play this year. And there's really an expectation from both uh, people close to Jones and inside the Giants that he probably will play again this year. So, but, but until he gets clearance, I mean, I don't think anyone knows that for sure. So it's a kind of just sitting up, up in the air now. It's a pretty unusual situation. I've never quite seen anything quite like this. Yeah, it's definitely unusual. Having been in that exact situation, not as a quarterback, obviously, but um, I, I can tell you that him not uh, him practicing but not being cleared uh, is concerning to me because that probably means that, okay, maybe there's not pain or numbness or tingling, but there is something showing on – and this is complete speculation, but maybe there is something showing that they have to um, wait to see about, you know. Um, right. Assume, well, obviously there's something, right, because you're not yeah. playing – 
Yeah, but that that something is the big concern, you know. But anyway, so assuming that he For doesn't sure. play, what is what is what is the next plan? What is the plan? Are we we staying with um with the, the same quarterback situation from last yeah. week forward? Yeah, yeah, I think the expectation is Mike Glennon uh, is going to play. He had a concussion obviously last week, but uh, he trended out of the the protocol all week and uh, you know took the majority of the reps at, at the practices. So um, you know Jake Fromm's been here a little over a week. Everybody, you know, fans want him to start. Like, we don't want to see Glenn and, you know, I want to see Jake from the, uh, you know, the, the, they're overlooking the fact that the guy was the fourth quarterback on the Bills roster and he's been here now, what, like a little over a week? Like, how much of the offense can you really digest in over a week, right? Like, I think the, you know, everyone thinks of like the, the Mike Whites of the world, like popping, like he was on the roster for a while. Like you know, the, the likely outcome when you have a guy who has been there basically a week and was a fourth stringer on Buffalo to begin with, the likely outcomes are like more like Nathan Peterman, uh, you know, like those, those kind of ones, the ones that nobody wants to remember. So I, you know, that's why Mike Glennon is, is the guy that giants would like to start here. Um, he actually showed them some things against the Cowboys earlier this year where he, he played pretty well. You're like, okay, he, they could definitely do some things offensively. Early in the game against Miami, uh, he made some big throws, and then it kind of fell apart for him there. But uh, I think the Giants feel much more comfortable with Mike Glennon. I know they feel much more comfortable with Mike Glennon than they would if they had to put Jake Fromm in there to start or play significant snaps. Again, Jordan Renan joining us here on 98.7 ESPN. Let's talk about some of the other players uh, that we can expect uh, to be active or not. Um, and, and of course, yeah. I, I follow you on social media. I saw your, your post of Kadarius Tony at practice. Uh, that did not look well. No. He's out. He's not playing. So you got no Kadarius Tony. Sterling Shepard, yes. Getting him back, which is a boost. He hasn't played in just the past four. Kenny Galladay with that rib injury that definitely limited him last week. He's expected to play. Saquon Barkley, he popped up on the. Uh, injury report this week when he wasn't on the previous week with that ankle again, which is obviously nagging him, and he's admitted that. Uh, he's good to go without even an injury designation. So uh, you're getting you're, you're getting some playmakers back here. Uh, it would be nice if you had Daniel Jones thrown into him, right? But to actually have that on the field. But, uh, you know, at least some optimism. Sterling Shepard should help this team. Uh, Kenny Galladay being out there, maybe being able to do a little bit more this week than he did last week, that's a good thing. And Saquon, you're just kind of crossing your fingers because I don't know. I don't know what you guys thought watching last week, but I was like, man, what this looks this doesn't look very good. He was kind of like stumbling all over the field. Just didn't didn't look like himself. Uh, and obviously, he's coming back from all these injuries and taking its toll here. He definitely didn't look like himself. You know, on that one play where he did that that kind of like jump spin to me, it reminded me of when I first came back from my ankle injury. And like you know, when your your vision is is not clear, your first thought is get it off the ground. You know, you just don't want to be planted in the ground when you know when you get mm-hmm. to that point. Back. So to me, it looked like you know he's still not sure about his injury. But I think some of that has to do with you know the fact that the offensive line is still not playing very well. It's a, you know it's a broken record. We keep saying it, but yeah. like going into this game, we know. Their their run defense is, is suspect, and so that's got to be a point of emphasis. What what can they do to actually try to get some? You know, are, are they game planning for it? Do you know, like, is there an emphasis put on the run game this week? And and if so, how how are they going to make it work? Yeah, I mean, they run game is definitely big this week. They have to, you know, they have to be able to run the ball in order to have success this week. Um, 
this is the 31st ranked run defense. And if it's not going to happen this week, like when's it going to happen? Right. This is, this is the week. <laughs> they need to have success running the football. And that's definitely the, uh, the game plan. I wouldn't be surprised also to see them again. Like they're, they're going to keep feeding Saquon. Like they're, you're going to see ways to get the ball in his hands quickly. The, the, the screen passes, uh, getting him out wide, trying to isolate him on linebackers or safeties out wide. Uh, you know, I know he dropped a couple passes last week, but the Giants, they're building these game plans around Saquon Barker, and that's going to be the case again this week. So uh, the opportunities will be there. It'll be a matter of whether, A, the offensive line can execute well enough to create some spaces, and, B, if he can produce because, you know, sometimes you gotta, sometimes you got to – Run, run through guys as a as a running back. You know, I mean, you gotta you gotta make contact and make yards and still be able to make yards after it. And uh, that's on him. Yeah, but so we'll see but not in the back. If, not uh, the if backfield, he could do that, though. <laughs> you're not supposed to. Have no, to no, 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 not in the backfield. Not in the yeah. backfield. Yeah. No, I but I mean, <laughs> like you know, there was there's there's plays there's plays where he like he there was a, the in the first drive. I mean, he's running near the sideline and. You know, he kind of like jumped and ran out of bounds, like right at the first down marker. I mean, this Giants team is is uh, fighting for every yard, right? They they're having trouble doing stuff offensively. You can't have your two hundred and thirty five pound running back willingly jumping out of bounds rather than taking a little bump, you know, taking a bump or hit out of bounds and possibly getting three or four or five more yards. I mean, they need that from him. Again, Jordan Renan joining us here on 98.7 ESPN. All right, you know, Jordan, how has it been this week? You know, again, we talked about it last week, right? Like, right after uh, their game, they didn't come back to New York. They went straight to uh, <laughs> they went straight to Arizona. They've been in Arizona. I saw Joe Judge mm-hmm. wearing the University of Arizona garb on your, uh, your Twitter feed. Um, and then, and it, like, kind of explain the traveling process. When do they head to... Los Angeles, and, and and how has this been a week on the road? Yeah, they they went straight from the game, flew to Tucson, Arizona, right, uh, and then so they get there like Sunday night, Monday morning, basically, and then spend the whole week there, practice there, uh, have a couple of days off at the beginning of the week. Really looked at it as like a team bonding experience. We're going out together, uh, doing you know things as, as a team, being able to spend, it's almost like a dorm. They're in like a resort, they were in a resort hotel, but kind of isolated. They weren't like on campus, right? They, they, they made sure to keep them away, you know, keep them like, you know, 20, 30 minutes outside. And then uh, they stayed here until Saturday. They stayed in Tucson until Saturday. And then they went and they came here to Los Angeles on uh, Saturday afternoon now. And, and then they're going to stay really till Monday. So the way they looked at it, and Saquon talked about it, it's very college-like. Uh, you know, where you have, you're, you're by your teammates all the time. You're with them, so you're spending a lot of time with them. On Thursday night, they went to, you know, they, they got bused to a place where they, you know, ate and um, watched the, fo- the Thursday night football game together and just, you know, sort of like a, a real bonding experience. Now, it would have been a lot better if the Giants were in contention and this was like the bonding experience that they could have had to, like, gear them up for the key stretch run, right? But, I mean, they are where they, you know, they, where they are now. And when they originally planned this, this was at, you know, before the season. Uh, I think that was sort of the concept behind it. And uh, so, I mean, I, I think it could have its benefits. Uh, a l- nice little getaway of the weather. Joe Judge talked about, like, he likes keeping them in, like, warm weather clients, uh, climates. I guess there's some effect, he believes, a positive effect for their body. It's keeping good for them, your joints. Like, not go from, like, 
Warm weather in Miami, cold weather in New York. Back in, it's good for mm-hmm. your psyche. You know, like you go outside and it's nice outside. You're like, hey, why do I feel so, you know, I smile more because it's 70 degrees and sunny here, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, good so for them. I, I like it. I, th- I think, you know, they should do more of it. I think with the, the changes to um, training camp and not having to be housed in, in dorms or in a hotel the entire time, you know, I, I think this could possibly be a good bonding experience that they need. We did it, you know, the whole, the whole time I was there and, you know, we like bitched and complained about it, but it was something that was beneficial for, <laughs> for us as a team, you know? So um, yeah, no, I, I mean, hopefully, hopefully this is something that, that pays you off. You get to them. know guys differently, you know? Exactly. You get to know guys differently, see them differently when you're around them more often. And so I think there is a benefit to that. I always I always tell my girlfriends, you really want to know a guy that you're dating, you really want to know a person you're dating, <laughs> travel with them. Just go on a trip. Move in. <laughs> Just, that's you know, like before you commit, that's go on a, a trip. Better option than I always, in and I always say that. You really you get you really get to know somebody on how they travel. Last thing Where's your passport? Uh, <laughs> last thing before you let you go, Jordan, you know, some some talk out there this week. Russell Wilson said apparently reported he's willing to, you know, eighty six is no trade clause for a few teams and the Giants are one of them Uh, your thoughts with this Giants team moving forward committed to Daniel Jones not do you think that they uh tap their toe in the Russell Wilson water which what are your thoughts here I have a few thoughts real quick number one is Russell Wilson is not putting that out there and telling people that with five games left in the season and um, you're right. He's at the point right now where, like, you're past the trade deadline. So, like, why now? Like, that didn't. So, I don't know. I don't give it too much credence at this point. Uh, whether the Giants would do it, first of all, you never, especially when you don't have a, a proven, established star quarterback, you never turn down the possibility of getting one and close the door on it. So, I think it's something, yeah, they would probably look into. They, I mean, they, I think they probably would like to roll back Daniel Jones, but if uh, Russell Wilson wants to come to their team, you have to think about the possibilities. The problem is the Giants are not in a great situation to get Russell Wilson. I know they have the draft capital, right? But they're already so tight money-wise. Like they were built to have the quarterback on the cheap rookie deal next year. Mm-hmm. So to now get a $40 million quarterback and then give up your, all the draft assets, like how are you going to fix the offensive line for him now? You won't be able to sign free agents. They won't have money. Right, you're giving up the, those premium draft picks probably to get him because he you don't get a star quarterback cheap, so they're not really in a very good spot to get Russell. Wilson. In theory, yeah, of course I would I would say definitely they should go get Russell Wilson, but that with the 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 current state of the franchise where they are, it's that's a, just a, that's going to be a really tough move to a pull off money wise, and then b then build a team around him that he needs. Like, is his offensive line going to be much better than Seattle? As, as he, does he even have better weapons with the Giants than he has in Seattle? It's uh, it's good. It's, 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 it's the offensive line. Like, what quarterback do you put behind this offensive line that's not going to be frustrated and have a slump year? Yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, Jordan, thank you so much again. Uh, appreciate you waking up so early uh, to join us on this uh, on this Sunday morning. Thank you, my friend. Enjoy the game later on this no afternoon. No sleep, He's- Anita. No sleep. We don't sleep. No, sleep till Brooklyn. Um, nah. <laughs> um, enjoy the game again. New York Game Day with Mike Tannenbaum, Matthias Kiwanuka, and Anita Marks. Good morning, Mike. How are you? Good 
Good morning, guys. How's everybody? Good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? Doing great, thanks. Great, great. So, um, you know, I, I've been talking about it all week, and I, I, I'm hoping you agree with me. I, I'm just, I'm really excited for the slate of games we're going to see today, and and I've been holding off on on really diving into a number of the really exciting division rival rivalries that we're going to see today, and 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 just how important they're going to be with the landscape in regard to the playoffs. So, guys, let's let's start with Washington and Dallas. I'm on the Washington side here. There's reports that uh, Tony Pollard is not going to play. When the Dallas Cowboys don't run the football effectively, they lose. Meanwhile, the Washington football team, ever since the bye week, their defense has been playing great. They're able to run the football with Gibson, and, uh, and they're, just, they're, they're just playing a lot better football, especially offensively, with, uh, with Heineke. So I'm on the Washington football side here, and I think it's going to make the division even that much more interesting for the final few weeks of the regular season if they do win. Mike Tannenbaum, let's go to you. Talk about this matchup. Yeah, I see it completely opposite. Um, the key number to this game is 28. That's the number of snaps this year that Demarcus Lawrence, Randy Gregory, and Micah Parsons have been on the field together. So while we could certainly talk about Dan Quinn being in the co- in the running for coach of the year, even though he's only the defensive coordinator and the remarkable turnaround that defense has had, today they have those three blue-chip difference-making uh, players on the field for the first time since the opener against Tampa Bay, when, again, they've only, only been on the field for 28 plays. So I think we're going to see a dominant defense. we got a healthy offense coming back in terms of C.D. Lamb, Amari Cooper, Gallup. Now, obviously, Pollard is a loss, and I do give Jack Del Rio credit for making meaningful progress without Sweat and Chase Young. But those three guys on the field for the first time today, I think we're going to be talking about Dallas in a whole different light by tonight. Interesting. Um, from a, a different perspective, you, you've been front office and you've had to deal with, with ownership. Jerry Jones has come out. He's obviously a very vocal um, you know, individual and you know, has the right to do so. How, how is that relationship between a general manager and ownership, and, and how does it affect the coaching staff and the, um, and the players on the field when you have uh, uh, like, you know, that voice come, coming from so high? Well, you know, it's interesting you say that because, Kiwi, I think it's a very inter- interesting discussion from this standpoint. Mike McCarthy hasn't had an owner in terms of he was a longtime, very successful head coach of the Packers. And for those of uh, the audience that don't realize this, the Packers are publicly owned. So over the years, it's just interesting when people come and go from the Packer organization. It could be a trainer, a video person, assistant coach. It's a different vibe because you don't have an owner. So – I think about if you're Mike McCarthy, you're a Super Bowl winning coach. You're a fully formed adult. You've worked very hard to get to where you are. And you've never had an owner. Now you have like the owner of owners, right? You have a guy that's incredibly high profile, very like outgoing, very like say what's ever on his mind. So it's an interesting, I'm surprised that things haven't come up early to be candid just because the juxtaposition of Mike McCarthy's career and the way Jerry Jones runs things it, it, is fascinating to me. How do you uh, how do you how do you manage the expectations? Like how like so if you're if you're in Mike McCarthy's position, um, like what do you, what are you saying to the like the team when you hear that voice coming from up above? Do you address it or do you just do you just ignore it? No, I, I think you know in my career and, and being in New York for so long, you know when you're in these bigger markets, everything is like times ten, times twenty. I think you have to address it, and I think that's where you work really hard in the off season, Kiwi, to have equity in the relationships. So you can have difficult conversations. And the best organizations in the world, just remember, are the ones that have no missing conversations, meaning 
if you're just talking about what's for the greater good of the organization, nobody should have hurt feelings. And Canley, the person that was always best at that was Coach Parcells. He always saw confrontation as an opportunity to get better, to take the gray out. And that's where, you know, Coach McCarthy has to say to Jerry Jones, like, hey, like, let me manage the team and hold me accountable for the results. And it's just interesting when you talk to people that leave Green Bay, there's always bumps in the road because not having an owner around. And now on top of that, guys, you have someone like Jerry Jones who, as we know, he just doesn't care. He's going to say whatever he's think. So I'm not surprised that um, it happened. In fact, I'm a little surprised it hasn't happened sooner. Guys, let's talk about the Raiders and the Kansas City Chiefs game. Uh, no Darren Waller today. Obviously, the Raiders have been struggling uh, throughout the season. I mean, I don't think you know the season could go more you know worse for any team. But more importantly, this Kansas City team has really turned it around, specifically defensively, uh, when they bring in Melvin Ingram uh, with their trade with uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Defense now is, is is one of the best in the NFL. Mike, let's start with you. What are you? I, my, my play here today is the under. I just don't think the Raiders are going to put up a lot of points. And as great as the Kansas City defense has been, their offense is still only averaging 16 points a game. So I, I, I like the under in this play. But what what are your thoughts? Game script. What do you see happen here? And also, do you still have the Kansas City Chiefs winning this division? Yeah, and I think what's a little bit under the radar is how much the Chiefs defense has improved. You know, we've already touched on uh you know the great job that uh, Jack Del Rio's done and um I think when you talk about some of the good young players in the league that probably aren't getting the headlines they deserve there's a couple actually in Kansas City Nick Bolton Willie Gay so this defense is improving and look I, I just think when it's all said and done I whatever the stats are they are Anita but I think when it's all said and done we are talking about Patrick Mahomes and let's face it if the three of us were starting a team, I'm, I'm hard-pressed that if we could have any player on the planet that we're not taking Patrick Mahomes. So this this Chiefs defense has improved. I think it's going to continue to improve. They've already – they're 11th in the league on third down, which to me is always a big, uh, important statistic. They're 10th in, in pressure rate, and I think they're going to continue to get better, and I think they're clearly the best team in that division. Kiwi? After I have a question for Mike. After everything that's happened for the Raiders this season, how do you see them finishing the year, and what would be what should be their focus? Yeah, you know it's interesting you say that. I've been in, that, in those situations before with Aaron coaches, uh, most recently with Dan Campbell in Miami. And to Dan's credit, he worked his way into being a finalist for the job that ultimately went to Adam Gase. Um, and we're seeing you know Dan's passion play out as now the head coach of the Lions. So if I'm Rich Basaccia, if I'm Mike Mayock, th- these are job interviews. If I'm Derek Carr, this is a job interview. Just think about if they beat the Chiefs. Like, there's nothing better that could be said about, hey, we beat the Kansas City Chiefs. So every week, you know, if I'm Mark Davis, what I'm telling Mike Mayock and, and Coach Passaccia is like, look, you guys got it. You know, whatever happened in the past, that's a million years ago. And let's see what happens. The pen's in your hand. Write whatever script you want. But, boy, if they beat the Chiefs, that'll change the narrative for a whole bunch of people in that building. Guys, let's take a look at the Ravens and the Cleveland Browns. Ravens coming off a disappointing loss. Listen, they went for two. They tried to make it happen. It didn't happen. And Cleveland coming off of a bye. Hopefully, I know they were dealing with a lot of injuries, specifically Baker Mayfield. This is in Cleveland. The line now is is uh, it was Ravens plus three. It's now dropped to Ravens um, plus one and a half. So public money, I don't know, sharp money maybe is, is flowing on the Ravens side. Um, I'm staying away from this. I just don't know what to make of this matchup. Mike T, let's go to you. Thoughts on thoughts on, on this matchup and also uh, break down the AFC North for us. Who do you think wins it? 
Well, it's interesting. I think Cincinnati wins it just because they're probably going to be the last team standing. You know, we're seeing that, you know, Baker Mayfield just hasn't been the same. You know, he's been beat up quite a bit. Um, I think what's really interesting about this game is if Dan Quinn's not the coach of the year, it may be John Harbaugh because if you go back to August and think about guys like Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins, Ronnie Stanley, Marcus Peters, and now the great Marlon Humphrey, I, it, you know, I, I don't disagree with your point, Anita. It's really hard to say, like, how is Don Martindale going to play? Because he comes from that Rex Ryan system, which is, hey, we're going to change the math. We're, we're going we're gonna to send more people at the passer that you could defend, and we got to hold up on the back end. But the back end's just not the same. So I think because of their injuries. And the other thing to me, like, Lamar Jackson, and, you know, I think sometimes we minimize this. He had COVID. He's also been sick. I just yeah. don't know if he's fully healthy, you know. And yes. you know what, Kiwi? Like, it, it may take him a couple of weeks to get back to where he once was. I, I've said that, you know, and after, you know, having played, uh, most of the injuries never make the injury report. So it, guys are dealing with stuff, like, on a regular basis, and especially when he had the, the, the sickness that was not released or whatever it is, like, that could have been something significant that, that would, have, would have taken him out. Um, cu- curious to get your thoughts. Uh, what did you think about um, the decision to go for it last week? Well, again, I, I think sometimes we got to be a little careful. Like, I, I believe in data. I always have. Um, and, you know, people call it more analytics now. But I think you also need to contextualize information in life. You just can't say, like, well, because of these stats, you have to do that. I think sometimes we're too dogmatic in, in saying, like, well, this is what the number said. And I believe in John Harbaugh. And I think those that was one of those situations, Kiwi, where, to me, what he said was really rational, which is, yeah. first of all, you have Lamar Jackson. Like, I've always bet on him to make two yards. And he probably felt like, hey, we can't hold up because we lost another corner. So I think he made the right decision for him for the right reasons. The only other thing I was thinking about, not knowing – the information he had was they have the greatest kicker ever. And if you're in an overtime game and I'm betting on Tucker versus Boswell, as great as Boswell is, I thought that would be the only reason to consider just playing for the tie. Last but not least. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead, Kiwi. No, I was going to say, I I agree with you that um, because of his, his record and, and, you know, what he's, what he's done, you've got to give him the benefit of the doubt. But then when he can go and have like a, a rational explanation as to why at the end of it, which was, you know, a much better explanation than we, what we got out of Chase Claypool this week in terms of their, their actions. But, um, you know, I think that, you know, you can, you can point to that and say, okay, you know, he, he made a logical, he made a, an informed decision and, and he went with it and we can go with it. We can live with it. Yeah, that's that's such a great point. You know, the Chase Claypool thing to me was so disappointing. Like, Chase Claypool has a chance to be a great player in this league for a long time. All he had to do is say after the game is, I made a mistake, I'm going to learn from it, and it's never going to happen again. And to make excuses after the game, and and you know Kiwi as well as anybody, like, these are usually one-possession games, sometimes one-play games. That was a one-play game, and he cost them a play. And he's just got to own it, eat it, and move on. Yeah, but also, guys, that's uh, – uh, sorry to interrupt you, but th- that's on PR. You know, Peter John Baptiste, who's the PR guy for the Giants, Kiwi, when you were there, mm-hmm. you know that if that happened, Peter would have pulled you aside before you met with the media and discussed what you're going to say and go over what you're going to say. Like, I, like, I, I wouldn't but, doubt but, that but Anita, wait, oh, but Anita, That's on the on, media. Yeah. That, that's on the you, team you side, Anita, especially Anita, you for a young you, guy like Chase Claypool. Anita, you don't think you don't think the PR department talks to the players? I mean, you don't think yeah. that half the time that, like – after a game, I'm in the locker room with the head coach, and sometimes the head coach is going to say whatever he wants. Um, you can only do so much in terms of prepping them. I'm sure Mike Tomlin said something. I'm sure the PR department said something, but there is 
you're accountable for what you say. And it was disappointing that he he didn't say he didn't own it. And I, I would be floored knowing the Pittsburgh Steelers didn't prepare him. I, I know Peter John Betty. Like you said, I worked with him, and I, I, I would believe that he definitely pulled him aside. The way um, Claypool went up there, he was adamant about defending himself. Like It was the first thing out of his mouth. Like There was no doubt in his mind that, that you, you know, he was going to make sure that the heat got off of him really quickly. So I, I think that one, that, that's just it, it just shows you know, himself as an individual. Now, he's young, and he has a huge opportunity to, for growth and for maturation, and I, I, I'm hoping that this is something that we look back on his career and say, oh, look where he was and how far he's come now, because this is a great teachable moment for him as an individual to, you know, to, to put this behind him. I hope he learns from it. New York Game Day with Mike Tannenbaum, Matthias Kiwanuka, and Anita Marks. Guys, uh, some news and notes. Uh, Tennessee, out of Tennessee, reporting that Derrick Henry, uh, who, as we know, was put on IR because of his foot, is eyeing to return if and only if the Tennessee Titans make it to the playoffs. Doesn't help us in fantasy football, but if you're a Tennessee Titans fan, hopefully that gives you some luck. Uh, for the Giants, both Galladay and Shepard expected to play. As we know, Kadarius Tony has already been ruled out. The Dallas Cowboys are not optimistic that Tony Pollard is going to play today because of a foot injury. Cincinnati dealing Joe Mixon with an illness, Higgins with an ankle. They are both expected to play. Uh, J.D. McKissick, running back for the Washington football team, is expected to sit against the Cowboys as well. Devo Samuel expected to play against the Bengals. And um, I think that is it in regard to the latest updates. Uh, Time for today's Who's Hot, Who's Not, brought to you by Slowman's low-price home heating oil, 24-hour service. Call 888-OIL-DEAL right now. This is Who's Hot. The Cardinals' defense is hot. Uh, They are the best in the NFL in regard to uh, passing plays, defensive passing plays on third down. Opponents are only averaging three yards per pass play on third down. And also, get this, gentlemen, only two touchdowns have been scored on the Arizona Cardinals' defense outside of the red zone. That's who's hot. You know who's not, and that's the Rams right now. 0-3 against the spread and straight up against teams that are above 500. Again, who's hot, who's not? Brought to you by Slowman's Low Price Home Heating Oil, 24-hour service, 866-OIL-DEAL right now. That's who you call to see how much you can save this winter on heating oil with Slowman's. Again, that's 866-OIL-DEAL. Uh, Mike, let's go to you. Cards, Rams, Monday night, big game. How's this all going to play out? Anita, I thought you'd want to wait till five thirty-seven tomorrow night to find the answer. <laughs> we're, we're, well, we're, we we will we will circle back at uh, at five thirty-seven tomorrow for our bet digital show that folks should watch on ESPN Plus. But nonetheless, um, for this listening audience, who do you like on Monday? I, I, I like I like the Cardinals. For uh, I thought you did a great job of recapping things. Um, I don't think we've given enough credit to um, their defense, despite losing JJ Watt. They got a lot of really interesting players uh, on that side of the ball, well beyond just Chandler Jones and Isaiah Simmons. And I think their secondary is way better than people realize. I think they're the better team. I think they're the tougher team. And um, I think tomorrow night we're going to see a clear separation between the Rams and the Cardinals. Kiwi? Yeah, yeah I, I agree with them 100%. I think you know this is this – is, um... Uh, what championship teams do. This is how they're built. You know, you have a great defense. You come in kind of quietly just performing week in and week out. When guys go down, the next guy up steps up and, and takes their place seamlessly. Um, 
you know, and there's not a drop off, not a significant drop off in play. I think, you know, had they had bigger stars or had a bigger storyline coming into it, we would have been talking about them uh, a lot more as they've been making this run. But um, I got to go with Arizona on this one. Uh, just staying in the division, guys, let's talk about Russell Wilson. And like I said, Mike, I want you to put on your, uh, you know, reach, reach in that, reach in that, uh, that office closet and uh, pull out that GM hat. If you were the general manager of the Giants, based on the sample size now that you have of Daniel Jones, and let's assume that the report is true that uh, Russell Wilson would waive his no-trade clause to come to the Giants, how would you attack this? Give us, give us, give us the steps. What would you do? Yeah, you know, this is not dissimilar to when I was at the Jets and we had a good quarterback in Chad Pennington, not a great one. I think it's pretty easy, guys. If you can get Seattle on the phone, you, you don't get off the phone. Um, because if you have Russell Wilson, given his production, uh, he's never what had a losing season, and he had one year where they only had nine wins. Um, I just, to me, it, it's pretty easy. Seattle calls, you don't get him off the phone. You you can't overpay greatness. And, you know, if it costs two ones and another position player, like call it James Barber, uh, you know, Bradbury or someone like that, who cares? Um, if you get Russell Bradbury Wilson. Bradbury cares. <laughs> Well, yeah, yeah, that's true. And the Bradbury, yeah, that's true. Great, great call. But beyond the, beyond the the lovely Bradbury family, um, no, nobody else is going to care because you can't overpay greatness. Like, let's put those two ones into context. Maybe you get Derek Stingley. Um, you're going to get two really good football players, which is great. But Russell Wilson's been great for a long time, and to me, it's an absolute no brainer. How do you how do you convince him to come? Let's say you get on the phone with him, and his first question is, "What are you going to do about that offensive line, or or who's going to be the coach, or who's going to be the coordinator? Like, what what do you what can you do to to you know ensure that he's going to be successful? Like, how how are you going to sell him on it? Well, I think part of the uh, going back to Brett Favre was just being a great listener. Like, what's really important to Russell Wilson if it's the offensive line? look, we've already invested a lot of resources. We're going to continue to do so. It's a huge point of emphasis for us. And the younger players, like an Andrew Thomas, we hope and expect that they're going to get better. So we're going to be partners. You're going to, you're not going to be the GM, but we think about you in, in the same context that when Tom Brady went to Tampa Bay, what happens, Russell, is you're going to create an aura of association. So when we saw guys like Rob Gronkowski and Antonio Brown all follow Tom to Tampa. We expect the same. Like New York is the greatest city in the world, and when we, we when we win here, we will win forever. And you can look around town and see Eli Manning or Derek Jeter, Bill Parcells, Phil Sims. You're going to go down as an all-time great. You're going to be a Super Bowl winner here, and you're going to help us get there both on and off the field. Uh, really quick, I, I, everything that I'm hearing is that even if the Giants wanted to do the deal, they don't have the cap space to do it because the way that they have engineered their money or planned their money out was uh, to play, you know, to, to try to win and, and, and try to do what they can in free agency and whatnot with Daniel Jones on his rookie deal. So what do you do there? I, I mean, you know, never say never, but you call players up, you re rework deals, you know, is is – is that? Do you feel that that is the case? The Giants could not afford it, even if Russell Wilson was willing to come here, Mike. Oh, I, I think you definitely you you figure out a way to get that done. You typically, first of all, we're not sure exactly where the, where the caps can be, but maybe upwards of you know two hundred and eight million dollars next year, and then you just start you know looking for opportunities. And I hate to go back to you know our good friend you know Mr. Bradbury, but you know his base salary next year is thirteen point four million. 
um, you just start looking for ways to um, create room. Um, you know, Leonard Williams, you can't do much there with because his, his salary is guaranteed. Um, but you just look for opportunities. For example, like Sterling Shepard makes eight million four seventy five next year. You can move on from him. Uh, Kyle Rudolph's supposed to make five. You move on from those two guys and, and Bradbury, you just clear $26 million in, in, in cap space. So there's enough levers to pull there. Um, again, you're probably going to go shorthanded for a year, maybe in some positions, Anita. But usually if you want to find a quarterback, there's enough levers on most teams to find that room. If you bring a Russell Wilson in, what are the immediate expectations? Like, what are you what are you expecting? What's the ask of him when he gets here? We're going to win now, and we're going to win every year. And now we have the best quarterback in the division. You know, maybe Dak Prescott would have something to say about that conversation. But um, again, I would also sell him on the young skill players we have: Kadarius Tony, Saquon Barkley, Sterling Shepard, Kenny Galladay. Like this cupboard is not bare. You know, we've talked about the Giants every week, guys. Like. This is not to me like they are not far away. If they, of course, they got to add another offense. To me, they got to add another offensive lineman, a pass rusher, and if a Dory Jackson and Bradbury, if they're both there next year, that's a pretty good start at, at corner. It's not ideal. You certainly need more depth. But if I'm Russell Wilson, that group of skill players is a pretty good foundation. New York Game Day with Mike Tannenbaum, Matthias Kiwanuka, and Anita Marks.